Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in. It is episode seven of the Coaching Chatter Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, number one podcasting network for professionals. Show is brought to you by betonline.ag. You may not be at the game. The season's in full swing. You may not be at the game, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Uh, No matter who your team is, who you follow, uh, from game spreads to point totals, futures, and coaching props, Bet online gives you everything that you need. The online casino, it's always open as well. Uh, that never closes. So head on to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Guys, we got an action-packed show. Uh, we, have, uh, we have experienced quite a bit of uh, life in college football. I guess it comes at you fast, right? Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't introduce my two co-hosts, Craig Ladd and Kurt Page. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Corey. Fantastic. Uh, it's, uh, as you said, uh, a lot of activity and a lot of uh, chatter in the coaching profession. Oh, yeah. So, new places, new faces. That's the, that's the title of today's episode because uh, we will be talking about new places, new faces. Um whether it be coaches or players, um, because there's some monumental things happening in college football uh, that we'll get to. Vandy, uh, they found their man. Uh, Auburn, they they have to be close on theirs. Uh, the one-time transfer rule was passed today, so we'll talk about the impact of that. Uh, we'll break down Shoegate uh, and how dumb that was. Uh the uh, University of Kentucky, they made a quick move at the offensive coordinator spot, went and plucked their NFL guy. And then, of course, we'll preview the big game, uh, Alabama versus Florida. So uh, let's let's get into it, Kurt. Uh, Clark Lee, uh, Notre Dame defensive coordinator, he ended up being the guy. We talked about him ad nauseum over the course of a couple episodes, which will be uploaded here uh, shortly. We are playing catch-up um, as far as uploading episodes. The pilot is available. Episode 6 is available uh, episodes two, three, four, and five will become available very, very shortly. So you'll get to hear our back talk about Clark Lee. But are, are you fired up, Kurt? I'm, I'm, I'm just really excited, uh, overjoyed. I think it's a great hire. It's a timely hire. Uh, he's, he's a guy that uh, he's alumnus. He's walked the halls. He's been in that locker room. He knows he knows the fixes that need to happen, and he knows where the pains have been, and he. He knows where all the skeletons are, you know, so he knows that uh, it's time for Vanderbilt to step up and play as uh, I'll let Craig Ladd talk about a big, big boy ball. But uh, it's time that we do that. And uh, and I think I think he's going to make a great make a big difference and make a great impact in Vanderbilt football community. Uh, Craig, I I know you follow that young man's career. Tell us a little bit about, about, about his stuff at NBA and just where all he's been. 
Well, you know, he started off uh, it, uh, playing baseball at Belmont uh, and, you know, just uh, walked on to Vanderbilt and then uh, became a, a kind of player that all the coaches uh, love to rave about his work ethic and, and it played a tough position. You play fullback on any level and you're a tough guy. I can tell you that. He's got my respect. Fullback. Absolutely. Tonight. You're a battering <laughs> ram the whole <laughs> Every game, all the time, you're a battering ram. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, tough guy. I, I, I like you, uh, Kurt. I, I thought it was a great hire. Uh, I, you know, personally, uh, I liked Healy better. Uh, but it, but to me, it was one and one A uh, as far as Clark Lee goes. And I can understand why they hired him. And, and you made the points, Kurt. He's an alum. He knows how it works at Vanderbilt. And let's hope uh, the words that's come, that are coming out that, that he's going to get improvements that that program desperately needs to the stadium, uh, to locker room, and then more money uh, on the recruiting budget. Well, well I, I had think uh, one thing. Yeah. Go ahead, well, Corey. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I had uh, Matt Perkins and Ryan Seymour on my Georgia show. Uh, Ryan Seymour, a, a former offensive lineman under James Franklin. Uh, we talked about facilities. We talked about possibilities. And Clark Lee's name was one of the first he brought up as, as being one of uh, the uh, the alum uh, group that, that he would love to see higher. But, um, Kurt, I was going to ask you, what do you think your number one priority is for uh, facility upgrades? Is it the right room? The lock, is it the locker rooms? Is it just an overhaul to the McGugan Center and in general, or do you think they need to, to start with a stadium? I would I would like to see them start with a stadium so they can get the fan experience, uh, improve that dramatically, uh, because that's what we've got to reach out to the sidewalk alumni. And, and, and I think we need to make a trip up to Northwestern. I think he's our Pat Fitzgerald for Vanderbilt University, the Commodores. Pat Fitzgerald, they were lacking in facilities. Their stadium sucked. Uh, everything that was bad up there when he took it over uh, 10, 12 years ago, and now uh, they're playing in the in the big 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 ten championship. So I think the same thing can happen for Vanderbilt. Uh, well, I'm not. Hopefully, I'm not setting him up for the SEC championship, but I guess I am. But uh, uh, but I think the first thing is get the stadium uh, just at a, a just an unbelievable level, so people have a great experience and get in there and. Because we're not we're not very good right now, um, and it's going to be hard. But if you have the fan experience, and it's a very nice environment, and they want to come back to it. And then also, I, I know he'll probably open it up to the community. Uh, I could see more high school teams. I could see other college. I could see other other people using that facility uh, soon. So no I think doubt. that's going to be one of the big. Yeah, that's no doubt. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think there's going to be – I think it, he, he's going to have some sort of say with uh, with the with the administration. I think being an alum is going to give him that extra oomph of being able to say, hey, this is what we need. This is what we need to do. Uh, Coach Franklin got it done, um, and, and he got an endorsement from Coach Franklin. So, hey – this is what this is what was in place. This is what it was in motion when James Franklin was here. Now let's continue this experience, and uh, let, let's start with the stadium. Let's get the fans back into it, and then we can get the Goog, uh, the McGugan Center. Uh, we can get that back up and running and, and, and at an acceptable level. So now we can get the recruits 
So, uh, but yeah, great hire. I, I, I love the hire, Craig. And, uh, you know, is there any word, any, any scoop on who he's thinking about as coordinators, things like that, offense, defense coordinators? I have not personally heard anything, haven't read anything about uh, who he may be uh, targeting for his coordinators. You know, obviously he has a, a huge game left uh, on Saturday, the ACC championship game, which I know he's going to be there. And then I think after that, he will not be at a bowl game that, that Notre Dame has and will be uh, returning to Vanderbilt uh, to, to take over the reins. And, you know, of course, today was National Signing Day, and I thought they did really well considering, you know, they were they didn't have a coach. Uh, I think they ended up uh, 29th uh, the last time I looked at, at some rankings. So I thought he did a really good job in, in pulling in some guys. I know they, they received a uh, transfer from West Virginia, an offensive lineman, which is a nice pickup for them. Obviously, they need help on the offensive line. So a good pickup there. I, I will point this out, guys, as, as far as the – Search went, who it came down to, anything. Uh, ha- had a very good source tell me that Jeff Fisher was a serious, serious candidate, uh, which surprised Glad me. they didn't pick him. Yeah, well, it surprised me. You know, I saw Jeff Fisher's name. I thought, yeah, okay, whatever. But according to my source, he was he, – he, he had serious consideration for that position. And I, can, I get it because if he's hired, he, he moves the needle more than any candidate that Vanderbilt gets. In the long run, I think Clark leaves a great hire. But initially, Fisher moves the needle. He, there, you get – everybody knows. I won't say everybody, but if you're in the sports world, if you're a football fan, you know who Jeff Fisher is. And he opens a lot of doors for recruits. For that reason, you know, parent, all parents know who Jeff Fisher is. He opens a lot of doors. So I get why the consideration goes with him. And plus, you know, he has a lot of connections on staff. You're going to get a lot of guys, I'm sure, that would have been in the pros. I, I get why he was a serious candidate. I still like the hire of Lee. I still think a college guy over Fisher. And I think age has something to do with it, too. You know, Jeff Fisher's 62 years old. He's only got so much left in it. Left in it. He's never recruited either. Exactly. And Kurt, you uh, you made a great point about them uh, hiring Clark Lee as their next Pat Fitzgerald, and, and I think that was absolutely brilliant. I, I think that's a perfect comparison. Yeah, and I think I think that's what uh, our athletics director and our new president. I think that that's what they see in him, and and that's what we need to. That needs to be the song and the dance. I just need to keep that going, and that that's who we're. Uh, guiding toward, and uh, that's a beacon light, you know, Northwestern, because, uh, you know, it's a similar layout, similar academic uh, portfolio, uh, everything. So so that's a great fit for us, and that's what, that's what we need to target toward. And just looking forward to, to seeing, uh, as y'all said, as we, as we round up the coaching chatter to see what coaches he's going to go after. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them get back into uh, – uh, some more tight end offense. Uh, if you if you see Notre Dame, you know uh, they 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 kind of major in the tight end. Northwestern they major in the tight end. They major in the running game. Uh, so it's going to have it's going to have some some uh, it's going to be interesting to see the development of all that. But it all down as Craig mentioned the recruiting and the signing and 
for us to pull in at Vanderbilt a 29th ranking, that's pretty outstanding. And But we got to step our game up in recruiting because the bottom line, that's recruit. If you don't get the recruits, as Corey, you've mentioned that time after time, you know, that's where that's where your bread's buttered, man. The exactly. And you got to get those guys. Exactly. So and and, and, and the name of the game is going to be patience. You know, and I think Northwestern had great patience with Pat Fitzgerald. It's paying off now. They just did a three, $300 million renovation, I think, on the on their facility up there in Evanston. So um, patience is going to play off, pay off with this, uh, with this situation. So I'm excited for Vanderbilt. Clark Lee, welcome to uh, Vandy Nation. Welcome to the 615. Uh, uh, Vandy Nation is, is rooting for you. Welcome to the SEC. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh, that'll be good to see kind of what he does with the program, what he does with the staff, and being a local guy. Uh, that'll be exciting. So uh, Gus Malzahn, uh, we, we talked about him being on and off and back on, back off, back on the hot seat. Uh, so they finally decided to eject him from that seat. They decided to take the bus on uh, up the road, uh, just somewhere out of Auburn. Didn't matter where it went, but just just out of Auburn, uh, they decided to fire him. Uh, if you can't catch our reference, so um, rumors are the top candidates right now. Uh, they're they're looking at Lane Kiffin. They're looking at Kevin Steele promoting him from within. They're looking at Mario Cristobal, and of course, I think Hugh Freeze. Is in the mix. I don't know how much in the mix he is uh, right now, but um, those are kind of the main ones they're looking at. Uh, to be honest with you, outside of Hugh Freeze, none of those really stand out to me. I think Mario Cristobal is, I think, honestly, he's in a great situation in Oregon. I don't know why he would leave. Um, I, I think it's a lateral move at best. I mean, I, I think Auburn's a heck of a job, but I, I feel the same way about Oregon. Um, Kevin Steele, I feel like, would be settling. Uh, you know, why'd you fire Gus just to hire Kevin Steele? Why'd you do, you know, why'd you go through all that just to hire Kevin Steele? Um, you know, if they get, if they get Lane Kiffin, that'd be a, that'd be a huge win. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they can afford him. And then Hugh Freeze, uh, probably the same way. Thanks to Liberty's recent, most, most recent contract extension. I think they're going to make him kind of unattainable. So, where, so Craig, where does that leave Auburn? They're, I feel like they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I agree with you, Corey. If, you, if you're going to pay uh, $21.7 million to get rid of your coach, I, I think you have to have a uh, splash hire. And Kevin Steele is not a splash hire. I just don't see paying that much money to get rid of Gus and then hiring. Kevin Steele, who had a, if I'm not mistaken, a six and thirty-nine record at Baylor when he was head coach, including one and thirty-one in the Southwest Conference. So I don't know how you sell your fans on that to have Kevin Steele in there for that position. I agree with you. I don't think Cristobal comes. Uh, I have seen reports that he wants no part of the SEC West because of Nick Saban. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of coaches that are going to be feel that same way uh, because of the beast being Saban. You also have the beast being LSU and that are arguably the two best programs in the SEC are right there in your division. So that's going to be tough to overcome. I've seen reports that Hugh Freeze is really not in the mix. I mean, at this point, you really don't know 
what's going on. They've been a little bit quiet about it. Um, so I, I don't know if there is a surprise candidate somewhere. I've thought about uh, Clark at uh, UAB. I, I mean, mm-hmm. an excellent coach, but is that enough of a splash hire? You've paid $21.7 million to get rid of your coach. Is Clark the answer? I, I just, to me, I, I, they, they have to have a splash hire if you're going to pay that much money to get rid of your coach. Well, I think uh, the, the big – I think you guys hit on it. I mean, Mario Cristobal, I mean, Corey, you're exactly right. Oregon's playing in the Impact 12 championship game. Uh, he's got outstanding recruits. He's got outstanding facilities. He's already been in that uh, – he's been in that room with Alabama. He knows what's going on. He knows how good they are. And he's got a good thing going. So I see him leaving the West Coast coming here. Uh, frankly, he, he might even be a replacement for Nick Saban. He'd be in the hunt to be the, one of the replacements in five or ten years whenever he decides he wants to step away. Um, the splash, you know, I, I think, I think Corey, you're exactly right. Lane Kiffin would be the splash. He, he's the, the, hot, the hot candidate right now. Um, uh, but, you know, because – you know, he, I think he would go head to head with Nick, and I think the Auburn people would like that. They they respect him for that. Um, Kevin Steele, same thing. I mean, we're we're all in alignment. That's just not. I don't see a, that guy getting it done, and uh, you know, I, I I think he's been around some great programs since being a head coach. As you cited those numbers, Craig, but uh, you know, it's just going. It's really interesting. You know, I I thought Hugh Freeze would be. Uh, a shoe in there, but, uh, you know, there, there, there must be more baggage out there on Hugh Freeze. There must be some un, uh, unfinished businesses that are not being taken care of or, or have not been taken care of with the SEC possibly. I don't know that to be true, but there's just a, there's a, there's a, uh, just a, just a cloud still, I think. And maybe that's what's going on. So Bill Clark, he, he was a legendary uh, state champion coach in high school at Prattville, let, uh, went down, started a program at South Alabama as a defensive coordinator, uh, did a great job, went th- from there as a head coach to Jacksonville State, had a great season, uh, resurrected U- UAB's program uh, from twice, you know, and then they dropped it, and so he's got it back. So he's an Alabama guy. Always thought he would maybe be in line for the University of Alabama. That's that's kind of you work in that system. UAB's in the in the uh, Alabama system, and they're not in the Auburn system, so it's a little different there. So, um, but maybe maybe he could be a guy. But he's not a big splash. But he knows the coaches. He knows the Southeast. Uh, he knows recruiting. Um, he's got a lot of connections with a lot of offensive guys to really get it going. Uh, so it'd be interesting, but it's going, it's really quiet, Craig. And I think that's one of the things that you're alluding to. It's really quiet. It's kind of like, I think they, they may have, as Corey mentioned, they may have lined up and tried to get Kiffin or, or, and and they just didn't work out. And now they're kind of like, uh Oh, you know, what do you guys think about that? Maybe they're in that uh old phase, you know, that can happen. Yeah, I think they're starting to get into panic mode because they they realize they don't really have all that much money uh, to, to to buy some people. Uh, I mean, if I'm Auburn, I want to make a splash. I, I might be going after Sarkeesian. 
um, right up the road and see if he see if he has any interest. But uh, you know, I think there's there's really no telling where the candidates are going to come from because uh, Coastal just signed Jamie Chadwell to an extension. Not that that means anything, but just means it's going to be a little bit more expensive to get them if they're going to get them. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know because I think the expectations at Auburn and and Kurt, you're you're right in the thick of it. Uh, down there in Alabama, you know the expectations is uh, extremely high, and they just spent twenty one million dollars, like we like we've been saying, to get rid of Gus. They they're not keen on hiring a coordinator. I don't think they expect to hire a. They want to hire a proven head coach, um, but then again, budget restrictions might force the contrary, and and I'm not sure what route they go because I feel like right now their options are all underwhelming. Well, one of the things maybe we could consider is uh, Coach Green, the athletics director for Auburn, is a Notre Dame alumnus, uh, was a baseball player there. You know, you sometimes you kind of go back and you look, you know, there very well could be um, somebody with that he's that he's connected that he's connected with in the past that could lead him to somebody. Um, and I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna step out on the ledge here, but uh, I could see through through some different connections, maybe a guy like Eric Bieniemy, you know, a guy like that, that would be come into the SEC. He wanted to be a head coach at Colorado. He's been wanting to be a head coach. Everybody's got him programmed to go to the Houston Texans. All those jobs, Houston Texans, Jacksonville, all the the, the jobs that are open. They're going to hire a general manager first, so that's what they're doing now. They're interviewing and getting a general manager in place. Maybe a guy like that, you know, through uh, depending on who his agent is, and I, and I would say his agent, he's probably got, uh, you know, you know, he's probably got the best agents he can have, and that may they may be working on something there. Somebody like that, I could just see you talking about getting things done. Uh, well, that would be that's a guy like that would be huge for Auburn, and um, you know he'd have to go recruiting. You know, to do that in NFL, but you kind of got to do that nowadays in the NFL. You know, through yeah, free agency and, that, and retaining your guys. So, uh, but now with the college footballs, we'll talk about later. And, you know, now you got your uh, portal. You know, you got to have coaches on your staff that are studying other people's rosters, active rosters in college. You got to be having coaches on studying high school teams and upcoming three, four, five stars, that type of thing. So, but Eric Bieniemy, that that name, I would love to see that name come out. Um, and then maybe maybe they're not working that name, but I just I just have a my gut tells me a guy like that because it's getting really quiet. It's even quiet around Birmingham. I was there yesterday through there through that town in Montgomery, and people just you know. They're glad they're glad the Gus Bus is gone, but I think they were thinking it was Hugh Freeze, a slam dunk. It was Lane Kiffin, a slam dunk. Kevin Steele, really? And I don't think they're that excited about that. So interesting. Yeah. And so uh and we can get we can get in the weeds with all this speculation and stuff like that. We could probably spend an entire episode. So let's uh let's leave the let's leave the people on a cliffhanger uh with that. And uh, we're gonna jump uh before we jump uh into the uh talking about the uh, what you were alluding to uh, a few things uh, happening in the coaching world uh, in the SEC footprint uh, South Alabama has reached a deal with Ke- with uh, Kane Walmack to be their new head coach um, 
Arizona or Arkansas State, uh, Blake Anderson has left to uh, take on the Utah State Aggies head coaching job. Uh, Arkansas State replaced him with Butch Jones. And uh, also in the Southeastern footprint or someone with SEC ties is uh, linked to uh, the Illinois job, Bert, uh, or Brett Bielema, I should say. Um, Kentucky has hired their new uh, offensive coordinator, L.A. Rams assistant quarterbacks coach Liam Cohen um, is uh, is their new offensive coordinator. Great hire uh, coming from a great system uh, under Sean McVay. So excited to see what Kentucky can do with that. Um, and then let's see. Uh, I think that's going to do it for uh, coaching news in the uh, in the SEC footprint as of right now, guys. What do you think about those uh, those moves? Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, um, the Butch hire, uh, Butch Jones hire at Arkansas State, obviously his uh, payments from the University of Tennessee will end in February. So I guess the $35,000 job that he had at the University of Alabama is not going to not going to cut it anymore. So it's time to find another job. So, uh, you know, it's not by hire by Arkansas State. You know, he, he has a is a proven record. I mean, he, he he's done well everywhere he has gone, and and Alabama has resurrected his career just like it has re- resurrected Lane Kiffin's and and uh, Steve Sarkeesian's, uh, re- uh, uh, I guess resume now. And you know, Charlie Strong is still there. Uh, you know, uh, Jones hired Major Applewhite, who's on the Alabama staff as a quality control guy. I think that's what it was. And he hired him as his offensive coordinator. A good hire, so I, you know, I like the hire of of Butch uh, for for that job. I think he could do a really good job. Now, how long is he going to stay if he gets success? That that'll be the question. No, that's exactly right. But those group of five teams, they get it. I mean, they want to get a good coach, and they 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 want their program in a bowl. They want their program successful. They want them on television, and uh, that's just part of the lay of the land right now until. Uh, you know the playoff structure gets changed or gets you know is evolved. It's gonna it's gonna be that way. So it's just uh, you know it's it's good hire Arkansas State. You know Bush Jones has been successful at that at those levels, and and I think he'll be successful again. And and Craig mentioned Major Applewhite. That's a big hire. You know having a guy that has that pedigree and he's been in that been in that environment with Alabama and he's seen Sarkeesian and he's worked the, he's worked the room. So it's gonna be good. Uh, that's a really good hire. So. Brett Brenham, uh, uh, also like Jeff Monklin, Monklin for uh, he's an Illinois guy, you know, from Piera, Piera. So I think he would be a good fit for Illinois because uh, that's not one of the better jobs in the Big 12. And, um, you know, you've got to do some things there that, that kind of help that program out and uh, maybe bring an Army's offense that would help that program out. <clears throat> I know they, they gave fits to Michigan. Uh, and they've given fits to other teams like Ohio State and Oklahoma. You know, they beat Wisconsin in. last year. Yeah, so I mean, so he, he's a he's a he's a guy. He's from he's from Illinois. So, uh, I you know, Craig and I were listening to some some national guys, and that's what they were talking about with with Jeff Monklin, uh looking at uh, University of Illinois. So it's starting to heat up, coaching chatter, and uh, we're oh, excited yeah. being a report and talk about it. And, and break things down and as it, as it evolves even more. 
Well, speaking of coaching chatter, let's get into uh, a, a rule that passed today that will impact how coaches structure their staff. So existing coaches, new coaches, all alike are going to have this same exact problem that's brand new to them. How do you re- how do you reconstruct your recruiting department now? Uh, because it's going to have to mimic the uh, the NFL model where uh, it's going to have to mimic the NFL scouting model where you have college scouts and uh, pro scouts as well. So the the college scouts they they look at all the potential draftees and they they help you build the draft board, and then the pro scouts are the ones that monitor the free agent pool, the transactions. Uh, you know, anytime someone's waived, uh, the pro scouts know about it. And uh, they're the ones evaluating all the people that are available uh, for signing. And so I, I think with the with this new rule, the the one time transfer rule that just passed, I, I think you're going to see now uh, there's going to be some some people on staff. And I don't know if they'll expand the staff to to accommodate this, you know, the staff limits or whatever to accommodate this, or if coaches are going to have to get creative. Um, but I, I think you're going to see there's going to be guys that are that are scouring the, the transfer portal every single day to see who's in there. And, and they will be the first line of content or contact to, uh, to the, tra- to the transfer wire. So like, let's say, you know, you know, George has already had a few guys uh, jump in there. Uh, Makaya tongue. Okay. He, he jumps in the transfer portal uh, and the director of player personnel at uh, Michigan state reaches out to him and says, Hey, Makaya. Just saw you enter the portal. Uh, do you have any interest in Michigan State? Let's, uh, you know, and, and then you start the recruiting there. And so recruiting is going to shift to not only high school kids, but the portal kids. So you're going to have to recruit your, your own roster each and every year. You're going to recruit the portal each and every year. And then you're going to court, uh, you're going to recruit high school and junior college. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing all shakes out for the college coaches. So, uh, Craig, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, when I texted you, it's you said uh, chaos ensues. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about this new rule? How's how's things gonna be restructured? Uh, does this create a massive, massive shockwave in college football? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's ironic that this is happening now when it's been the most chaotic football season ever. Uh, in, in college football, and, and then now you add this to it, I, I can't help but believe that it, it's not going to be uh, very pretty um, with uh, what, what's going to be going on. I think also it breeds even more uh, corruptness, if you want to say that, uh, as far as uh, getting players. Uh, so I, I'm not really happy with this ruling, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, you're already giving uh, guys an extra year because of the COVID-19 the pandemic, which I think is, is right to be doing. But to be adding this also on it, I, I just don't buy it, don't agree with it at all. Uh, I think it's a mistake. And we'll see how it ends up uh, affecting college football. But I don't like it at all. Well, and, and all really all sports as far as uh, – uh, colleges go, but uh, you know, I, I do not like it at all. Well, one thing to keep in mind with the, when they gave them the the re, you know get the year a do over, you know, you get the year again. That that's not just a one year situation. It, you're talking now that's a four or five year fix 
to the whole it's going to it's going to affect the roster management for the next five years because now if you have seven eight ten what if you have 20 guys that want to come back and they're seniors so now you've got roster loading you got a you've got an uploading and an unloading you know you, there's usually a process where you get certain guys coming in that are graduating and you got your freshmen coming in well now you got guys that are going to re, be reten, retention they're going to be retending staying again for another season and so now these guys are coming in so your roster management is going to have to really uh you know it's just going to be different it's going to be difficult it's going to be uh i don't i don't think there'll be a lot of uh, transparency with a lot of football staffs you know like uh, for example miami you know they signed a, a high-ranked quarterback but now there's king you know is he going to stay another year I think he's probably going to stay another year. There's going to be so many situations where, you know, you would think he was graduating or moving on to the next level, but now he's going to stay, and that's not even and that's not even opening the door to getting a transfer to come in there that can leave after you know getting one time. But you know, one thing we got to keep in mind, and I learned this from a friend of mine, Chris Perkins. His wife coached at Sharon Perkins, coached for years at Georgia Tech. They always had softball and baseball. They've always had you can transfer. You know, you can get that one-time transfer. And I didn't know that. You know, golf has that. Uh, you know, track and field has that. Bowling has that. Uh, the only two sports that don't have that are women's basketball, men's basketball, and football. So that was that was something I learned and did not know because you can transfer in any, any other sport in NCAA and you're able to play immediately. So. Um, and I, and I see the, the dynamics of the, you know, of uh, poaching different staffs and different programs, and and it's really gonna it's really gonna uh, magnify coming up. So it'll be interesting to see how this works. But we're right in the middle of it, and you know, coaches are going to have to deal with it, and coaches are going to have to learn, and and uh, they're going to study other people, and they're going to have to think outside the box, and uh, you know, you're going to put some scholarships back, you know, for the transfer portal. Because now guys can leave. You know, if you're a third, fourth team linebacker at Alabama, for example, or you're the sixth wide receiver at LSU, you know, you know, you, this year you got to get on the field because a couple of guys opted out. But in the years to come, they're not going to be opting out. And so you're one of them. And one thing we got to keep in mind is how many of these guys that have signed earlier today have never been on those campuses, have really not built a relationship with those coaches. Uh, this is there's going to be a lot of folks that are really going to take this in now. Uh, so I think they saw that coming too. So I think that's why they just voted it in and approved it today. So all these recruits, because you think about it, I can't tell you how many times I heard today where he had been on campus in 18 months or he's never been on campus. I mean, you guys know it's kind of like you're dating somebody and you're going to marry him. I mean, they, this, these college decisions should be a 50 – a 40 to 50 year decision that you're making, not a four or five months, you know? Yeah. So, it's like the show married at first sight. You're just jumping two feet in. So, um, uh, you know, personally, I, I think, I think the rule won't be as chaotic as, as some people will make it out to be. I, I think that, um, you know, transferring to two way street, first of all, like if you're going to transfer, not, you, you got to find somewhere to land. So someone's got to take you. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of programs, uh, and I'm sure somebody will take you, but it may not be your, may not be your top choice. Like, 
you, you may transfer thinking, okay, I'm going to go to another Power 5 school, and the next thing you know, you're at uh, Northwest Louisiana State, and you're like, what the, you know, what the heck happened? But, you know, football's football, I guess. But um, so it's it's a two-way street. So uh, for everyone that transfers, you got to have a school that's going to accept you. And so uh, it, it, I don't think it's going to – I mean, I think kids are going to transfer. They're going to transfer. Uh, it doesn't matter if that rule's in place or not. Kids are going to transfer if they're not happy. And, um, you know, if they're six on the depth chart at wide receiver – or uh, you know they come in and a coach makes a promise and coach you know coach lies to them or whatever you know or they come in and their grandfather gets sick and they have to transfer somewhere to be closer to home or uh, you you sign and then two days later your coach leaves and takes a job somewhere you know and now you're stuck so I, I think they're taking all of these contingencies all these ridiculous waivers that guys have uh, filed for. Um, and they've had the foresight of seeing that there is probably more than half, less than three-quarters of these recruits that have never probably seen the campus uh, in person that they uh, of the school that they just signed with. So uh, over the next couple of years, it's probably going to be kind of chaotic because of COVID, uh, the, the impact that, that COVID had on this recruiting cycle. But uh, I, I think once we kind of get more into uh, some normalcy, I, I think it'll calm down and it, it'll it'll stabilize, like most things. So I think it's good for the kids. I think it gives them. I think it gives them a a, a mulligan uh, if if they because you know, an eighteen year old kid making a decision is you know not not always the most thought out. You know I, I know I know if I had the pressure of making a forty to fifty year decision at eighteen, I, I don't. I don't know if I would have made the right one uh, or not if, if I had that many options, if I had that many coaches in my ear telling me this, that, and the other and trying to build relationships with, you know, 20, 30 schools in some cases. You know, um, you know, Kurt, I, I think Hale would be a good one to ask because he had, you know, he had a few schools that he was talking to and, you know, he, he had to go through that whole uh, decision-making process and, you know, some of the guys that we've coached along the way, um, you know, whether, you know, guys that you've coached along your journey, guys that I've coached along my journey, um, that have, that have all made that decision. And so it's, it's not easy. And, and sometimes you make the right one. Sometimes you make the wrong one. Sometimes you make the right one in the beginning and it turns into the wrong one. It, it turns into a situation that doesn't, that's not advantageous to you. So I, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it'll be as abused as, as people, uh, fear it to be. So, um, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know, but uh, I, I just don't see it as being this overly dramatic uh, situation to where it's going to be like the wild, wild west. I, I think it's going to, you know, change a, a bit of how football teams, football programs are operated. But other than that, I, I don't think it's going to have an earth shattering impact beyond this odd year, beyond this odd pandemic era of college football. Now let me let me ask you this: Does this mean that you can transfer without penalty within the conference? I know, for example, the SEC in recent years have, has relaxed uh, their stance as far as transferring within the conference. It used to be taboo; it, it just did not happen. Basically, is that now relaxed? Whether it's you just go wherever you want to go without anything. Yeah, without- I, I I think conferences are going to have to come to an agreement. As far as that, because I, I think they're going to have to figure out what they want to do. Um, 
conference to conference. Like the Big Ten might be cool with, you know, if you want to go from Purdue to Rutgers, you know, okay, cool. Good luck. Um, you know, I know the SEC is a little bit more, uh, you know, they get a little bit more tight about it. Um, but, you know, it just depends conference to conference what they want to do, what what kind of add-ons they want to put on within transferring within conferences or most conferences might just say, okay, well, if you can, uh, you know, if, if you signed on at Ole Miss and you find out later that you wish you signed at Kentucky and you feel like you can fit in better there, then by all means, give it a shot, kid. I think I think that's exactly right. I think that's uh, in the conferences it's going to be conference by conference. But, you know, one thing I would like to see, and we don't have this, is – have have a commissioner for all conferences for football and really come up with that philosophy where there could be one voice and they all, uh, but I, but I know it's all, everybody's in for themselves, each conference is, and you're starting to see that this time with the bowl games. I mean, you got teams opting out that are. Uh, I mean, you saw it. Six. You so, saw it at the beginning it, of the season where teams were deciding whether they want to play or not. You had alliances for me. Yeah. Yeah. ACC, so SEC it, versus uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12. Yeah, so so it it's uh you know it, it it gives us a chance to to really look at some things like that, uh, some things that could help the game and help the, but really I, the whole the whole thing has to go back to student athlete. And I tell you, uh, after playing at Vanderbilt and playing in the SEC when getting happy and they knew they couldn't leave or they had to sit out, you know, they made five or six other guys unhappy, you know, and uh, you kind of want that person to be happy and to go on and leave. And, you know, uh, for example, just seeing how things develop with the kid at Georgia, he starts the first game has a, not a very good first half. Uh, now he, I think he's transferring to Temple. So he's found a new home. Georgia's moved on. He's moved on. Temple's gained a gained a guy that they feel that can help uh, their program move forward. So I think it's I think it's in the best interest of the student athlete when it's all said and done. So I like the rule. Uh, it's going to probably get uh, you're going to, those coaches are going to have to keep their relationships with these players though, and people are going to have to understand that um, you know they're going to have to stay in touch with each other. And so you know there's going to be some of that going on. Well, he kept recruiting me, you know, and you know so. You know, and I and I believe in that. I believe that you know you got to recruit your own anyway. Once you get them the, and that was the thing I heard a lot of places did not happen in my experience, but I heard this from a lot of the different places that I played guys with in high school and played against when they went to another another Power Five school. That the, everything changed when they got on campus. You know, mm-hmm. uh, position guaranteed, disposition to get a chance to play never happened. Uh, opportunity to play do this, it never happened, you know, and uh, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, it was uh, it was very, very sad for some guys that I grew up with, and, and they were told they'd get a chance to, you know, play this position, and they never got that shot, you know, and coaches just basically lied to them, you know, to sign them and get them there, and then they got yeah. there, they were going to play them at this position. There was no, never a chance for them to try to play a position they were, they felt like they wanted to go try to play. And uh, so that that that'll be really impactful. These coaches that are not transparent on the recruiting process, it'll be that you know they're going to get exposed really quickly. So if you have some of those guys on your staff, you're going to have to get that cleaned up. Exactly. So 
Um, so wild, wild world of, of college football transfer rules, stuff like that. So um, let's uh, let's let's get into uh, what's happening this weekend. We got a, a very very big game uh, happening between. Uh, Alabama and Florida, the SEC championship in Atlanta. There's other SEC games, but uh, really this one's kind of for all the marbles and a playoff spot is on the line for uh, the winner of this matchup. Uh, Alabama comes in as heavy favorites at 17-point fav- favorites. Uh, Florida coming in, uh, they were – they were coming in hot. This was this was going to be billed. You know, if if you asked me two weeks ago, this game was going to be you know setting up for game of the century. You know, type billing with ESPN. But now, uh, since uh, Marco Wilson decided that he wanted to 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 play long toss with uh, the LSU player shoe, uh, that Florida is coming in coming limping in uh, to this matchup, and so I, I think this matchup looks a lot different now. Uh, because I feel like LSU, as much as we wanted to put them dead on the on the on the mat, uh, they rose up, punched Florida in the face real quick, knocked them out, and I, I think that uh, you know that just shows you the resilience of teams in this conference. No matter how down they seem, you know they're they're always alive. So, a um, couple things here, a couple questions. You know, how does you know how, how does Florida stop Devontae Smith and and this Alabama offense? How, how, what is their plan there? What what is Alabama's plan to stop the Kyles and Kadarius Tony? You know what what gives uh, defensively for Florida? Um, how how do they avoid the big plays? Uh, you know, I I just you know there, there's a lot of weapons for Alabama, so a lot of questions to answer for Florida mainly is how do they manage this Alabama team who is about as red hot as you can get, uh, Craig. Well, I think the, the deficiency on the Florida team this year has has been the defense. Uh, they have been woeful at times, and you saw that in particular against LSU, a team that was un- really, to be quite honest, you was was undermanned. They had lost a lot of guys that opted out. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, they had a true freshman, Max Johnson, at quarterback, and uh, he he had a tremendous game and. You know, it was disappointing, I know, for Florida because basically that loss took them out of the the playoff picture. Uh, even if they beat Alabama, I did not see them getting in. I still think Alabama gets in instead of them if Florida wins the ball game. Don't see that happening. Uh, Alabama is the most complete team that I have seen this entire year. Uh, they have righted the ship as far as their defense goes. And they, they just – they're unstoppable on offense. That's been proven all year. And then now the defense is, uh, is, is equal to the task of uh, stopping their opponents. Just don't see any way in the world Florida wins this ball game. Well, I think, I think you hit nail on the head. Uh, the big thing, Alabama, I think when they activated Charlie Strong and Mike Stoops, uh, to be more active with their defense uh, from their roles. I think that really has increased their productivity on defense. And then the big thing with Alabama is they're, they've got diversity. You know, they can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Uh, they can play action pass. Sarkeesian is just, you know, they had an off day and they scored 52 against Arkansas. So, and now they got Devontae Smith. He's returning punts. So it's going to be, it's going to be a, a it's going to be an exciting day for Alabama. Now, Florida, 
I would be nervous about them. If Cal Pitts, if they'll let him play, I don't know what's going on there. They said he warmed up. Some of there were con- there were some reports that he looked good in warm ups, but hadn't practiced all week. This was last week versus LSU, and the doctors or the trainers supposedly said he couldn't play. If he plays, he's going to he's going to present some uh, some matchup difficulties for Alabama. I mean, let's face it; they still don't do a very good job in match coverages. I know Nick Saban is the guru of cover four and press man and all, but just the whole time he's coached, I mean, they are not very good in pass defense. And so I think if Cal Pitts is playing, uh, you know, he's, he's account, he could be accountable for three or four touchdowns. Either he catches them or double coverage and singles up on somebody or leave a guy, you know, mismatch. So if he's going to play, I think that's the difference maker. Uh, and I think he can make a lot of big plays and keep it close. And maybe we'll see. If he doesn't play, it's it's a it's a name the score game. And the big game too is also, and I'll ask Craig about this, the Texas AM Tennessee game. Uh that's the one that's because you know, Texas AM sitting there at number five and things can happen with uh Clemson and Notre Dame, you know, if Notre Dame were to uh, beat them again, then that's two losses for Clemson, so they're out. So Texas A&M, what do you think, Craig, about their showing? I, I think they're going to face it up against Tennessee. And Tennessee could have some uh, – they could still be evaluating if they are evaluating uh, Coach Pruitt. And I think maybe Coach Pruitt's evaluating his staff. So what about that, Craig, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Texas A&M? Well, obviously, as you said, Kurt, Texas A&M, A&M has a lot to play for, not only to win the ball game, but they need style points to be quite honest with you. So they're, they're going to try to beat Tennessee as much as they possibly can because they're going to need that in order to show the committee that they are worthy of that number four spot if it comes open. I, I just don't see Tennessee winning the ball game. I think there's still a lot of uh, deficiencies on that team also when it comes to uh, – not only uh, the quarterback position. I mean, they're both, uh, you know, very young, and uh, and they're going to be playing a Texas A&M defense. It's going to be putting a lot of pressure uh, on the quarterback, and uh, they also have an outstanding tight end, a great running back. So defensively, Tennessee is going to be pressed uh, probably as much as they were. I'd say. Probably the best team they have faced, uh, I'm going to guess, probably since uh, since Alabama. Uh, obviously, Texas A&M knocked off Florida. You say, well, they played Florida. Well, Texas A&M knocked off Florida at the beginning of the year. So, to be quite honest, I think Texas A&M is the best team they will play since Alabama. And uh, I just don't see uh, don't see any way that Tennessee can win this ball game. They may hang with them in the first half, but I think in the end. Uh, a&M pulls away. Yeah, A&M has something that Florida doesn't, which is a running game with Isaiah Spiller. I, I think that, you know, you, you match up, obviously Pitts is, is better than Wiedermeyer, but, you know, you still have that dynamic tight end. You still have uh, you, you have a, a great playmaking receiver, Kadarius Toney and Kaysen Lane, uh, but A&M has a running game and Florida doesn't. So it's too bad that A&M's in the West. But one of, these, one of the things that these teams all have in common is that I, I think that uh, in, in a way that they help themselves, and, and Kurt, I, I want to ask you this: uh, they they overwhelm you offensively to the point 
that it almost forces coaches to panic and go one dimensional to feel like they have to try to keep up. You know what? You know how does that factor into to an offensive game plan? And and uh, is that is that a big is that a big deal as far as uh, being able to uh, manage a game? I, I think that's I think that's the big deal. That's it. You basically, if you're playing, if you're Tennessee, you go into that game, and you, as Craig has mentioned, they've got two young quarterbacks, and so to protect them, they've got to get their running game going because you know Spiller's going to get his going, and they're going to put push, they're going to push the ball down the field with Kelly Mond, and then plus Kelly Mond's probably going to run the ball this week a lot more than he did before, so they're going to score and they're going to get they're going to get going and. A few weeks ago, people kind of – they came off of a two-week layoff and they played LSU in a pouring-down rainstorm at Texas A&M. But it was a pouring-down rainstorm, and people were disappointed in Texas A&M. But what that taught me that game was LSU was getting better. And no one really wanted to take notice of that. And here goes LSU. Uh, Max Johnson, I'd like to shout out to him and Brad and their family, so proud of that family, that they – his first career start, they beat Florida, the Florida Gators, so they were getting better. So I think Texas A&M learned from that game when they didn't score till late to make it a two different two point two different uh, two touchdown score versus LSU. So I see them really doing a better job against Tennessee and trying to get things. Now on the flip side, we all know Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt is the next guy on the chopping block. You know, in the SEC, if you were saying. Who are all the coaches? And we've kind of, we kind of called them out. You know, South Carolina, you know, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and I think the next guys on the chopping block has to be Tennessee. So, I think they're really going to, and it, it doesn't come at a good time because recruiting, you know, took a lot of took a lot out of that staff. You know, they really had to. They were down one uh, position coach that they fired during the season at one of the games. You know, they fired a defensive line. I'm speaking of Tennessee. So I don't know how they're going to respond uh, if they get a big number against Jeremy Pruitt and that staff, you know, and that team versus Texas A&M. And believe it so, as we know, Texas A&M wants to put a big number on them because they want the style points, as Craig is talking about. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. So it's a lot to look forward to Saturday. I'm sorry the NFL is trying to play a doubleheader with some rising uh, rookie quarterbacks, but we're all going to be tuned into the SEC and also to see uh, LSU play uh, Ole Miss. That's going to be an exciting game as well. A lot of exciting games for this weekend. Corey? No, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely a lot of exciting games. I mean, you, you got, you know, Ole Miss's offense is, you know, that's always must-see TV. Uh, Missouri, Mississippi State, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be one that's going to be interesting. Uh, to watch, I don't know that you know the impact is that that great, but it's going to be one that you know you look at two freshman quarterbacks, two rising stars in this league with Connor Bazelak and Will Rogers uh, is a matchup to keep an eye on as well to kind of see how those two teams develop uh, and how Missouri coming off uh, a loss after being ranked finally uh, coming off coming off a huge loss against Georgia after being ranked so. Uh, some things to keep an eye on. But, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Um, I, I think we had a we had an action-packed show, uh, new places, new faces, um, You know, lots of movement within uh, college football, both uh, coaches and players. Uh, the transfer portal is heating up. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, there's going to be some movement with, uh, with college staffs, things like that. Uh, head coaches is Jeremy Pruitt next. We don't know. Uh, what about Rick stock still, uh, at MTSU? Is he safe? Uh, is, you know, it's, it's nowhere near done. Uh, all, all the movement, uh, you still got jobs that are pending that, that have currently fired like Illinois and Arizona, uh, and then, then the the domino effect from there. So, and then we still got the thing, the situation at LSU that's got to play out. Uh, that might happen. Ed Ed Orgeron might be on the chopping block, uh, not for on field performance, but for uh, all the stuff that we talked about. Uh, if you missed it, go back and listen uh, to episode six. We we go into detail about all the the crap that went on at LSU and why we think uh, Ed Orgeron might be on the chopping block. So. Um, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Soar Athletic Training. Uh, you can find Kurt at Kurt Page six twenty nine. Uh, you can find Craig at D Craig Lad. Right. That's correct. Yes. You can find me at Coach Burton thirty six. You can follow us uh, on. Uh, you can follow my shows uh, at Believe in Dogs. We just got followed by Roger Lodge, baby. Uh, the first blue check mark to follow the show. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, you can find also you can find me also as a uh, as a co-host on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. You can find me uh, at Believe in Dogs. Uh, you can find that show as well on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Soar Athletic Training is also on Facebook. Um, and so come find us, man. Uh, come find our show. Rate review. We are live on or not live, but we are available on. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, we're available. So come find us, rate us, review us, subscribe. Uh, make sure you download. Make sure you stream. However you listen to your show, we appreciate it. So for Craig Latt and Kurt Page, we hope you enjoy this weekend of college football. We hope you enjoy uh, the weekend of NFL football. Uh, and and uh, we're glad you're with us. Hope you stay with us. And uh, we wish want to wish you a great weekend and uh also want to wish you a merry christmas probably won't have a show next week uh we'll probably take a christmas break and then come back at you uh the following week so uh for that for kurt and craig i am Corey burton this is coaching chatter on the believe podcast network so long see you later have a great weekend goodbye yeah great stuff For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.